When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When I was 15 years old and was starting to drive a car, my mother and I were traveling just on kind of a lonely country road, and up ahead there were some children playing in the street, kind of like kickball or something. I remember I blew the horn thinking the children would just get out of the street, but I did not reduce my speed. After I got safely past them, she said to me to always be real cautious that children were unpredictable that they could have changed their mind and gone back into the roadway or tried to run across the street, and that I didn't ever want to be a part of any type of incident where something happened to a child. She said, you would never forget it. And she said, when something like that traumatic happens, since you can't forget it, you just got to live with it. Today, y'all, when I tell you I am like a kid myself because I get to talk to a legend, an extraordinary human being. We've got Barbara Butcher with us. She is a legendary death investigator out of Manhattan. She was the first woman to have that job longer than three months. She knows the underbelly, the dark side. She knows what human beings can do to each other. She knows the dangers. And you know what? She couldn't get enough of it. For more than 20 years, she worked homicides, double homicides, suicides, horrible accidents. She also worked underage victims of rape, murder scenes. She has that New York attitude, I'm told. Y'all know that bravado. She has been to more than 5,500 death scenes. She knows what death looks like. She knows what murder looks like. She will tell you, working death every day teaches you about life. But I'm going to let her tell you. Barbara Butcher, welcome. Welcome to Zone 7. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for that lovely introduction. Wow, makes me sound kind of cool, doesn't it? 
Oh, honey, you are <laughs> the coolest. I'm telling you right now. And let me just prove to people how cool you are. So she has a book. It's called What the Dead Know. Now, I read an answer that you gave to another person. I'm going to read a little bit of your answer, and I want you to finish it for us just to show people how cool you are. You said, and I quote, This is a memoir of my life as an addict, a recovering alcoholic who struggled to stay sober throughout this work. I ultimately came out on the other end better, able to live a life with beauty, creativity, and enjoyment. I could bemoan being an alcoholic, but being an alcoholic got me that job. The employment program for recovered alcoholics sent me to vocational training where they gave me a bunch of tests and said, you should be a poultry veterinarian or a coroner. If you work with puppies or kittens, you'll always be upset if they're sick. But chickens, those beady little eyes. Nobody cares about chickens. I said, hmm, I'll take dead people. So... <laughs> there you go, there you folks. Go. It's just that simple. So I tell you, I, your career is so vast and so interesting and frankly incredible that you don't even really know where to start. But I, I'm going to start where I see it in my head. A lot of times, Barbara, when I'm thinking about a particular person and their work life, a movie starts to play in my head. And for you, I see you rolling up on scene and there's a bunch of cops standing there and you're like, butcher for the medical examiner. And all I can think of is New York City cops. I'm sure the jokes were effortless and abundant. Constant. Absolutely constant. There's nothing better than NYPD. And yes, you're absolutely right. I love rolling up in that car. And, you know, lights and sirens. and I'd maybe do a little boop boop on a siren, <laughs> say hello, and jumping out of there and flashing that nice gold shield. How you doing, boys? What do you got for me? And uh, they'd be like, oh, it's Dr. Butcher. i say, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, we know, but it just sounds so damn good. <laughs> No, you got to love NYPD. Mm -hmm. I, I've told this story before, but not to you. So I will, I will tell you, when I was a little girl, I used to tell my mama that I wanted to marry an Italian man because <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought going into police work, that's the last name you needed, you know. But of course, when I fell in love with Walt, you know, she told me, look, there's a long, solid history of good Irish cops in Boston. So I felt a little okay with it. But <laughs> there's just nothing to me like a humor of police officers anyway and that camaraderie and that humor. I think their love for you comes through in the way they treat you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it didn't start out that way, mind you. Um, as you mentioned, I was the first woman in Manhattan to last more than three months Um the woman before me ran out screaming. I don't know if it's from the work or from working with the guys at the <laughs> office. The first time I rolled up to a case on my own, um, I, I stepped up to the doorway and a, a detective stopped me and he said, yeah, honey, how can I help you? 
I said, well, um, hi, I'm Barbara Butcher from the medical office, and I want to examine the body and, um, you know, do the death scene investigation. He said, yeah, honey, don't worry about it. Crime scene's already here. They're taking care of it. I said, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I have to do my job. Real, real meek, you know. And then I thought, you know what? This is bullshit. Um, this is bullshit. <laughs> now, this is, this is not how it goes. So the next time I went out and a detective stopped me and said, yeah, honey, how can I help you? I said, you know what? You can't help me. But you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to go in there. I'm going to examine that dead guy. I'm going to tell you why he died, how he died, how long it took, how long he's been dead, and maybe even who did it. And then when you go to court, you can say, Barbara Butcher told me. So how's that? That might be the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he said, all right, all right, honey, you go in. You go right in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, honey, you go in. That is fantastic. Now, you've had, again, some situations in your career that were pretty unbelievable. Talk about the time you had a cast on your arm. Oh, geez. You know, this, this still, I've been dining out on this story for years, so I use it to open the book. But um, I was bitching and moaning because I had to, I was out of sick time, but yet my, my left arm was in a cast because I cut a tendon with a saw while trying to pretend to be a woodworker. And um, I was bitching and moaning, but I had to go out on a case. And they said, Barbara, you got a hanging man. So when I got there, police officers said, hmm, you know, there's no light in here. The electricity must have been cut off, but looks like the guy committed suicide. Maybe that was just the last straw, having no electricity. So I went in and I used his flashlight and my flashlight and I did my examination. You know, the guy was hanging, didn't look anything too unusual, big heavy set fella. Back then, this is in 1992 or 93, we used Polaroid cameras, nice big flash and pictures that didn't last all that long, but that's what we had. So I took all my pictures and I examined them. I said, all right, looks like a suicide. And then I went to do my usual, which was to grab a buck knife out of my case and then I'd hold the ligature with my left hand and and just so I could steady him. Then I'd cut the ligature and let him down just so he wouldn't crash down to the floor. Then I realized, wait a second. Hmm, I can't do this. My hand's in a cast. I thought, well, when the guys get here from the uh, the morgue wagon, they can cut him down. So I left him hanging there in the dark. You know, no lights, no nothing. And that poor police officer had to sit in, in there in the dark and watch him sway and back and forth in the, in the little air-conditioned breeze. So I got back to my office, and I'm writing my reports, and I'm looking at my photos, and I see, hmm, this is interesting. Under his, his neck, the, the ligature was actually a, uh, an outdoor extension cord, those orange heavy-duty ones. And that's pretty good, because that won't break. And then... The next photo, I saw that it was actually plugged in to the wall. Now, wait a second. Why would his ligature, this, this extension cord, why would it be plugged in? And there's no electricity anyway. Then it came to me. Damn. I called a police officer at the scene. I said, look, don't let anybody cut him down. He said, why? I said, look, go screw in the light bulbs. Check them. He went couple seconds later, he came back. He said, yeah, there's light. The light bulbs were all loose. 
And then I explained to him, this guy in his suicide had plugged himself in to the wall and pretended there was no electricity so that whoever cut him down would be killed or hurt badly. Because he was an angry suicide, it wasn't enough to kill himself. He wanted to take somebody with him. And if I didn't have my hand in a cast, I would have cut him down and been electrocuted. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. So the morgue in New York kind of paint us a picture. Well, back when I first started, it was an absolute hellhole. It's down in the basement, and it's just those green tile walls and then endless rows of morgue drawers, the kind where you, you pull you pull out a drawer and there's a body laying in there. Now, the problem with that is now those drawers were stacked like three high, so it's hard to get the bodies up and down. But more than that, behind the wall of drawers, there are uh, just endless racks. They're all open. So the maggots will fall down from the bodies and land on the floor, and then they'll crawl off and develop into uh, pupa and then flies. And then birds come in to eat 
those little maggots. So you could walk down in the morgue any morning to go do daily rounds and see what kind of cases were on the menu, and you'd see little bluebirds and sparrows flying through the morgue. I used to call them the bluebirds of happiness, <laughs> just for irony's sake, but they were out there plucking maggots off people and going in and out of those drawers. The um, morgue tables were, were pretty cruddy, but a couple of years later, they finally renovated it and made big walk-in uh, refrigerators so that we could at least wheel people in and then put them on racks. But it was easier to keep clean because that smell was mighty bad, as you know. Well, I asked her to paint a picture. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. Sometimes when friends will say to me, hey, I'm watching this new show and, you know, the crime scene investigator pulls up to the scene and there's the homicide detective and they're both real sexy and there's this sexual tension. Is it like that? I'm like, sugar, it's just like that. It's oh, yes. That's exactly Nothing. what it is. And don't listen to Barbara Butcher. <laughs> because, that's because right. Night and day, sex, sex, sex. That's all that's it, all it is. That's all it is. That's what we do when we're not somewhere having fabulous cocktails, you know. It just, sometimes when I watch TV, it just makes me laugh. And then when I get those questions, you know, it really makes me laugh. And then when I hear you paint the picture of the morgue, I'm like, well, she's going to break some hearts when she starts talking. But, you know, one interesting thing about your job as a medical examiner, death investigator, that I think people don't always attribute to y'all is y'all help save lives, too. Because y'all are exposed to things long before the general public and sometimes law enforcement has even put together. So talk about things like car accidents and the seat, you know, seat belts, because y'all see what the steering wheel will do. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that, you know, kept the job. It made me happy. It, it kept the job a little lighter. And that was um, that, that medical examiners and, and investigators were the ones seeing little kids go out the windows in New York City. So we reported it, collected the data, and then epidemiologists said, yeah, they're right, there's too many. So they made a, a law for window guards if you have a child in the home. Same thing with seat belts. Medical examiners and investigators see the injuries in the chest. The reason you need um, uh, shoulder belts and uh, the airbags um, and then there's the crazy things like subway surfing. You know, I describe in the book the sports of New York. Now, subway surfing is one of the most dangerous sports in the world. That's when you jump on the back of a subway and then you climb up on top and you ride through those tunnels. Maybe your head gets knocked off by a piece of equipment. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you try jumping from one subway to the, another one that's going in, in the, even in the opposite direction I've seen. And these kids, they, they ride the subways. There's about, oh, I think we've got four deaths this year, or is it three? Wh whatever it is, even if it's one death, I mean, just telling the public about things like this, that there is subway surfing, there's elevator surfing. That's where you jump from one elevator car to the other, back and forth. Um, you know, this is, these are crazy things that kill people. And then, of course, there's stuff like, you know, COVID or avian flu and, you know, various diseases that we notice. 
a sudden uptick in deaths. So yeah, we did. We get to got, got to do some good in the world. And you mentioned earlier when you first started how you were kind of treated, but I will tell you, I was speaking to my buddy Scott Wagner just a couple of days ago, and in mid sentence he stops and says, "You got to connect with Barbara Butcher." And I told him, you know, I already have, I promise you, she's going to be on Zone 7. But the level of respect that he has for you just resonated with every accolade that he gave you and every just, I mean, he just used every glowing word he could think of to describe you and working with you. And I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, once you kind of make your bones, so to speak, working with the guys, working with the media, working, you know, with even other experts. But again, you are so revered and renowned that I think any advice from you as far as, hey, this is how you make your way. God, that's so, you know, you're making me cry a little bit here. I miss those days so bad. Oh my God. Oh boy, I'd long to be out on the street with the guys again. And then the the men and women of NYPD, just such a great great team. But, you know, it, it did take me a little time um, to make my bones, as you say. And that, I think, was based on a couple of things. One is being tough, um, not taking any nonsense, uh, as, I, as I described before, um, but also really caring about my work and their work. Um, I studied all the time. I learned all the time. I took advantage of every course there was. And I did go to all the NYPD courses, their homicide, CIC, special victims, cult killings. I'd take my time off, my vacation time, and use it to go to their courses. They were fantastic. But I think the fact that when I'm on scene, I'm focused because my responsibility is not just to get justice for this victim, or, but, but answers for families. And my job was to be a resource for the police department to explain the, the physical findings, the medical findings that they needed to do their job. And I, I have great respect for their job. And I think that translated back to respect for me. And I also enjoy teaching. I love teaching. So Whenever, whenever I'd go to a scene, I'd wait for the crime scene guys to get there before I started messing with the body. So I'd do my, my scene photos, my measurements and all that, interview witnesses. When they got there, then I'd examine the body and point out to them every little thing I saw. Say like, you know, see guys how the, uh, the abrasion on this gunshot wound is, is on the lower corner here. See that? So how we angle it up. So he was shot from below or, you know, this doesn't match with a bullet impact mark. So therefore we know this body was moved and just things like that, you know, then, then they'd teach me some things and they'd say, Barbara, we're going to go in and question this witness. You want to come with us? Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I want to do everything. Oh, and even though I'm kind of a scaredy cat now, I'm always worried about disasters, having lived through several of them. Back then, I loved doing crazy things like going up in the helicopter with the aviation guys. And they'd take me out over the beach and then they'd, you know, I'd be sitting in that jump seat and just holding on to a, uh, a strap and they'd tilt the chopper so that I could get scared. 
but then I just yell Yahoo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they'd keep doing it, and they couldn't scare me. Or, or climbing up on um, up on ladders to go up on top of the, uh, the those bulkheads on roofs to find a gun that somebody threw up there, or you know, a body part someone jumped, or crawling in the tunnels beneath Manhattan to find the caves where the mole people live. That was that was adventure to me. That was like Huckleberry Finn stuff. And I think the guys enjoyed that. I enjoyed it so much, you know. Without question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, you mentioned living through a couple of disasters. So I want to talk about 1993 and the World Trade Center bombing. Now, this is going to sound, sound strange, but sometimes scenes of, of, of great destruction are beautiful. They're so striking, so outside the, the norm of our vision, of our experience, that they're almost gorgeous. So in 1993, uh, a rider truck drove into the garage of the World Trade Center and set off an ANFO bomb, fertilizer. And uh, it blew a, a huge spherical hole of several acres across into the heart of the World Trade Center. And now that day I was supposed to be doing office work and, um, you know, working on hospital cases. So I had on a skirt and heels and my boss grabbed me and said, you want to go down to the World Trade Center with me? A bomb just went off. Well, hell yeah, of course I do. So I'm climbing through the rubble and the high heels are helping me get a grip, you know, because they dig into the rubble. And I'm so awestruck by the sight of this huge crater with cars at the bottom of it, with, with wires, you know, arcing, the electrical bolt shooting out, and a huge water pipe, must have been two or three feet across, water pouring out of it into the hole, and it's lit up by spotlights. So everything is shining and glowing and pulsing with energy and destruction and force. And my boss and I are both awestruck and we're standing at the edge of the crater. And suddenly I see about 10 feet to my right, there's a guy also standing at the edge of the crater and he starts slipping down, starting to be like a little landslide. So we jump back and we're just standing there with our mouths open. And then my boss said, Barbara, there's some people down there. I said, yep. Well, I guess I better change my clothes. And I did. And we went down there and we found the first five people. Only six people died. Can you imagine that? A bomb of that size, of that magnitude, and only six people died. Thank God. And we found the first five very quickly. And then it took about... Well, maybe a week to find the last person, but I was down there every day digging around in the rubble and uh, just just completely knocked out by the, the magnitude of destruction. It was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot. 
The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I was in charge of the crisis response team for the Olympic Games in Atlanta which would have been nothing to anybody except we had a bomb. And it was the largest pipe bomb in North America at the time. And the way he had positioned it, he wanted it to implode and then explode, which would have caused that entire tower to come down. And then shrapnel would have been devastating. But because the young people that found it kicked it over, it became almost like a Roman candle just straight out and only killed Alice Hawthorne. But to your point, it was one of those scenes that you can't really describe because the magnitude that it was and the magnitude that it could have been, it's parallel in your mind as you're working. It's, it's a strange feeling. It's a feeling of awe. Uh, in, but, but in so many different directions, you know, awe at the destruction and awe at the fact that humans could survive it. And you and I have another thing in common a little bit, and that's 9-11. During 9-11, I was sent to the Pentagon with the crisis response team while you were probably working. World Trade Center again. Yep. And that's a case that, talk about the magnitude. You had the unbelievable job of identifying people from body parts. Talk a little bit about that. Again, it's it's awe-inspiring to go down there and see skyscrapers, the tallest skyscrapers, reduced to just acres and acres of rubble. To look at a place there, 
that maybe just a couple of weeks before I had been up on the top of the World Trade Center for a date. And we were sitting there sipping on drinks and or water in my case, and um, looking out at the sunset, and it was just romantic and beautiful. And now the piano that had been up there, the bar, the bartenders, the people, they were all at the bottom of a pit or in, in a pile of rubble that was burning. So I went down there, and um, you know, I, again, I was just awestruck standing there with my mouth open. And we had pretty much reports of... Uh, just under 3,000 people dead, but they were represented by more than 25,000 body parts and fragments. And that was how we identified 60% of them. The other 40% who've never been identified now after 22 years, maybe they were vaporized. I don't know, but so great were the forces, so overwhelming was the magnitude of this this attack that it just vaporized people into absolute nothingness. And you may have heard the expression that one death is a tragedy and a thousand deaths is a statistic. Well, I'll tell you something. If you're crawling around on that rubble looking for body parts and you see a desk calendar that says lunch with Jim Tuesday or, or a little... Um, I found like a little desk set with a pen in it and a golf ball. It was a souvenir of a hole in one. And that something that the, that person was so proud of and had on their desk, or, or the worst, is a um, graduation picture from, from elementary school, somebody's kids. So it's not a statistic. Every one of those little possessions defines a person, and that person is a universe. They have feelings and thoughts and relationships, families, mothers, fathers, sisters, wives, husbands. Each of them is a universe. And when you're crawling around there on that rubble, it becomes very, very apparent to you just how important every single life is. And, uh, I, you know... I say that 9-11 ruined me. I mean, I'm sure I was ruined long before from all the, the tragedies I had seen. I was already starting to get a little crazy, but 9-11 just knocked it way out of the park. That was bad. That was real bad. Again, you can't describe it to people. And I remember one of the folks from our team that had been in New York came and met us in Washington. And he said that he was talking to a police officer right there in the center of it. And he said the police officer turned to him and he said, see those people two streets over? He said, don't they even know what happened? Like they're going on about their life. They're shopping. They're going to brunch. They're doing these things like, like we're not two streets over here. Isn't that something? When you're in the middle of the worst chaos that human beings can inflict on each other, and then you look a few feet away and there's somebody over at the Levi's store buying jeans. It's, it's perspective. It a yeah, there's a reality smack. <laughs> yep. That hits you every so often. I mean, any of us in, in this job or these jobs, police, all first responders, uh, police, fire, EMTs, or last responders like me, you know, you see these things that are so puzzling, so uh, damaging, so tragic. And 
then you look around and the world's going on. But meanwhile, in our minds, the world is full of destruction and evil and terrifying things just waiting to happen because that's what we see all day long. You do four or five cases a day, you start to think everybody's a damn murderer or a victim. And then you come home and your partner says, well, I'm thinking we should plan a vacation. Why don't you start looking at airfares? I'm like, what the, f what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> airfares. Do you yep. know, do you know what I saw today? <laughs> right. right. Tahiti ain't going to get that out of my head. <laughs> but I'm going to go anyway. It's worth a shot. But you know, it's funny because you just said something that is so true. A lot of times people will say, well, as a first responder, and I will often correct them, I'm a crime scene investigator. I'm a last responder. You know, I'm the last shot of getting that evidence. And you are too. You're, you're after me. So you're the last, last shot. And I take that job very seriously. We get justice for people. And we prevent people from going on and killing again and again and again. Y'all see why I love and adore this woman. I mean, everything you say is so true. And I know, you know, the accolades and all that, you're not here for it. But again, I just want to say you are a hero and you're a hero to so many people, not just law enforcement, but anybody out there suffering with addiction. I mean, you give so much hope and you give just respect to the job. You give respect to recovery, which I don't think is done enough. And in our world, in law enforcement, there needs to be so much help and understanding with addiction. So again, I want to thank you on several levels. But again, for me, you know, I, I'm talking to one of my heroes. And this has just been a fantastic, fantastic time for me. And I just appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It means a lot to me. And don't get me all crying now. You know, that's not my style. <laughs> Well, if you ever come through Atlanta, I got a police car with some blue lights. We will go take a ride. I like that. I will pick you up at the airport and I will change your life. It'll be awesome. I'm going to end Zone 7 the way that I always do with a quote. This quote comes from Patricia Cornwell, where she writes with Kay Scarpetta, number 21. You don't ever get over it. I think some things you won't get over not ever. You can't. I'm Cheryl McCollum, and this is Zone 7. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.